What if I told you that the key to your success in short-term rentals is actually saying the word no more often? Well, that's exactly what J.B. Bullock did and it has turned him into a 42-unit Airbnb empire machine and it only took two years. Let's talk with J.B. right now here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. If you are serious about building your short-term rental business to $10,000, $20,000, maybe even $30,000 a month or more, you have come to the right place. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast, where we teach you all things short-term rentals. The best guests, the best tools, the best strategies. There are so many investing paths out there. It can be seriously overwhelming to start out as a new investor, but take it from me, short-term rentals is the best and the quickest way to build your cash flow. So buckle up, listen in, and get ready to conquer the world of short-term rentals. Here we go. Calling all real estate investors, especially short-term rental investors, if you are looking to invest your money in owning a short-term rental, but you don't know where to buy, I have a hot tip for you. Kentucky and the Carolinas are a great place. And even with the rising popularity of short-term rentals, these markets continue to thrive. In fact, I'm looking to buy one in these areas as we speak, and I'm going to use Savvy Realty to help me with that transaction. Savvy Realty is an STR-specific real estate brokerage. Not only do they know the best places to buy in the areas that I already mentioned, but their hosts and co-hosts themselves of successful short-term rental properties. They know what it takes to turn a simple property into a big investment without wasting time or resources along the way. Whether you want to flip a house, rent your own home, or turn a brand new property into a profitable business, Savvy Realty and their agents can help you figure out what type of STR investment is right for you. Tyler Kuhn is the founder of Savvy Realty, and he and his team will consider everything from the overall look to the age of the home, the distance to transit hubs, and other major factors that you may not have considered. So if you want to make sure the return on your dollar is maximized as much as possible, then follow the link in the show notes to book your next one-on-one -on -one discovery call with Savvy Realty. Hey, Fearless community, before we get the show started, I want to let you know that you now have the chance to get direct access to me in order to grow and strengthen your short-term rental business. How? The Six Figure Formula Membership. I'm the only one in this space offering this value pack membership for a stupid, stupid low price of $49 per month. And you get access to me, my podcast guests. You get to be a part of our amazing private community. You get our full A to Z business in a box STR kickstart course. And maybe most exciting, especially for me, you get exclusive discounts that we worked for months to get that no one else is getting out there. Price Labs, AirDNA, NoiseAware, HostAway, and so many more at your fingertips. So become a part of this 6FF movement. Get started today for just $49 a month at fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You are listening to me, Kyle Stanley. And if you are not already part of our six-figure formula, you're definitely going to want to be, especially as you listen to this conversation today. I know you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I have a question about that. And oh, I wish he would have gone more in depth about that. And that's exactly the benefit of being a part of our six-figure formula is that you get to ask those questions while we're live in this group. And so JB Bullock, I'll just tell you right now, is a true success story. Like I thought I moved fast. This guy not only moved fast in terms of the number of units, but he did it with owning most of them, which I'm super, got to be honest, super envious of. And I learned a lot from talking with him in a short amount of time here. And also he has the Blue Gems podcast. Make sure to go check that out another great short-term rental podcast. So let's get to it right now with JB Bullock here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. 
Hey guys, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast, and we have a very special guest, JB Bullock, today. He hosts the Blue Gems Podcast, also a short-term rental podcast, and today we're going to be talking about how he went from zero to 42 units through the power of saying no. And guess what? Whether you speak English or Spanish, the word is the same. It's no. So, <laughs> so we're, we're excited to have you on, JB. Welcome in, man. Thank you so much, brother. Really excited. Awesome. So you're coming out of Orlando, Florida, and I know that you have built a business very quickly here. And uh, and I, I love that you're doing this with your wife. But before we get into the the details of your story, what's the craziest Airbnb story that you've got for us? So yeah, um, it's a good one. Uh, last year during Hurricane Ian, we had a family reach out to us and they said, hey, all the Airbnbs are booked. We saw all your Airbnbs are booked as well. Do you have any open availability. We're stranded. We lost everything in the hurricane. Wow. At the time, we had one property that was available, but it was still going through renovations, but it had furniture. So we're like, hey, we can offer this to you. They were like, hey, um, unfortunately, we don't have any money until we receive our check from FEMA. We felt so bad. The wife was pregnant. My wife was pregnant at the time. It really resonated with me. We took the gamble on them and um, they moved in. And then uh, one month later, we could never get them out of the property. Oh, they ended no. up leaving trash in the place. They never paid. It was a disaster. Just trying to do something nice, and it uh, really kicked us in the butt. We've had those, man. You feel so bad for them, and and you're like, okay, well, the, you know, the government's going to pay for it, or you know, you're going to get payment from them. They're just going through a tough situation. They're good for it, and then, man, it, your your heart gets in the way of your head on those for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and I said I wouldn't do that before because it's happened to me before and I, and, I, yeah. and I still did it again. So lesson learned twice. Yeah, I can't say I'm not guilty of one of those two. All right, man. Well, hey, you're in Orlando, Florida. You've got uh, this business that you you started with your wife. And and I'm, I don't want to tell the whole story, but I just think it's awesome that you had zero real estate experience. So why don't you start from there? Like, what were you doing before this and what drew you into let's just start with real estate in general like why jump into that industry yeah i think at a young age i still i knew that i wanted to be an entrepreneur and the vehicle would be real estate i saw so many successful entrepreneurs have success in real estate during COVID, i was playing poker professionally i played for about a decade Whoa. and um the casinos were shut down i had no way to make any money right so I was that like, was well, literally your full-time thing that was my full-time thing for, for oh a little over gosh. a decade. Yeah, Your I dropped wife, out of college to play poker. Your wife has a high risk tolerance, huh? <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Luckily, when, when, when my wife and I uh, met, I was pretty established by then and, and pretty far mm. along in my poker career. So it was pretty stable by then. But um, yeah, so COVID happened. All the casinos were shut down. I had no way of making any income. I figured, you know, let me, you know, finally buckle up and start studying real estate. We moved to Orlando and I was like, perfect time. They have a great short-term rental market here in Disney. And then, uh, yeah, we bought our first one um, January of 2021. And then uh, since then have scaled to 42 in a short period of time, about two years. So obviously I didn't think we'd be talking about poker, but I, I've got to <laughs> ask, how nerve wracking was that knowing like, okay, this is how I make money. Uh, I could go into the casino and and lose a few thousand bucks tonight, and then tomorrow I might make a few thousand bucks. I feel that I'll tell you what I used to go to Vegas a bunch with friends when I was in my early twenties, and there was like four or five times in a row that I came out with like five hundred bucks, and I was like, "Yeah, this is easy." And then that third trip, I lost like fifteen hundred. I was like, "I'm never going again." So yeah, yeah, <laughs> those, no, for those sure. losses hurt. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I think that if you if you kind of reverse engineered and think about poker amongst every casino game, right? So 
Think about when you're playing blackjack. Who are you playing against? Yourself. And the house, others, I guess. Yeah. You're playing uh, against the house. The house. Okay. Yeah. Craps, you're playing against the house. Roulette, yeah. you're playing against the house. Baccarat, you're playing against the house. Yeah. With poker, who are you playing against? The other people uh, at the other table. Players. Yeah. Not yeah. the house, right? Yeah. Other people can make bad decisions. Mm. They can come intoxicated. They can not sleep for 24, 48 hours. They can, you know, just make a lot of mistakes. I sat down after yoga, after meditation, after my green smoothie, after studying for three hours, and I played really sound mathematical mm. poker, right? So it all comes down to like probability and statistics. And I just didn't make as many mathematical mistakes as everyone else at the table. So that's a really great way of thinking about it. But I got to ask, how is that translated now into your STR business? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. I think that just relying on my capability, you know, as an entrepreneur, you don't have a boss. You don't have someone mm -hmm. setting your own schedule. You are responsible for bringing the revenue in or, you know, growing the business. So same with poker, you know, when I felt down or if I was like, I don't really want to go play today, it was up to me to hold myself accountable. So I think that account accountability kind of transferred to uh, real estate. Okay. I like it, man. So you went from one to 42 units here uh, since really just just over two years ago. Talk about the very first one and why was it that you wanted to take a look at STRs and tell me about that very first deal. How'd you get it? What were the details of it? I want to hear all about that. Yep. So I house hacked the first one with FHA loan. We had a main house and had a back detached garage that had already been converted, right? Sweet. It was a little small studio. 215 square feet, it paid for the mortgage. Why we chose short-term rentals is, you know, my wife and I were avid travelers ourselves, and we always preferred to stay in Airbnbs when we traveled. And uh, we had a beautiful experience in Joshua Tree one year. It was our first time going there. And when we kind of reminisce on the experience, a lot of it had to do with the host. They were just mm -hmm. so gracious. They were so kind. They had great recommendations. And uh, they really went above and beyond. And my wife naturally loves to host people. She has a really good eye for design. And uh, when I saw that it also was lucrative, I was like, wait, this is a perfect you know, opportunity for, for both of us to kind of uh, check mark some of the things that we're interested in. Awesome. So what did the first like experience of house hacking look like? Were you worried about bad guests coming in and now you've got to, you know, because like when I started, I house hacked, but I was a bachelor. So like that was an easy decision. I don't have to yeah. get permission from anyone, but I'm right. thinking about like a lot of people I talk to, they're like, you know, that's great, but I can't do that. I got a wife and kids. You didn't have kids at the time, but you did have a wife. Was she fully on board? She was. And, and this property was a little bit unique. They had their own entrance. That It was a gated, you know, entrance that they had. It was completely separate. We never saw the guests. They had their own backyard. So it was pretty private. It was even more private than a duplex, if you will. So, mm. yeah, but it was kind of the only way that I saw us getting into real estate at the time because I just didn't know anything about private money and you know, raising capital and these creative outlets of, of trying to get into the deals that we've been able to accomplish now. Yeah. Well, and people don't think about that too, right? Like an FHA loan, three and a half percent, right? You can get in for close to nothing down. And suddenly before you know it, you've got a, a mortgage that's getting paid for by an ADU additional unit. And that's a beautiful exactly. thing. So yep. did you buy this property knowing, hey, this is going to be first property of a ton or did it just ignite that fire to say, how can I do more? Take me through what the next steps were. Yeah, no, for like the, the full year before that, um, again, my wife and I were traveling. We were in Southeast Asia for about three months. 
And uh, while I was out there, I was listening to every Bigger Pockets podcast. I was listening to your podcast, every podcast I could get my hands on, reading every single book. So I knew short term rental was the focal point, and it was something that we were going all in on. So being um, a host and having it just in your backyard allowed us to really implement our systems, work on what the guests needed, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, ready to start scaling after that first one. Okay. So what was that next step? You, you get the, the experience, start seeing this as something that you, you're liking. Uh, are you going out and buying another property? Are you doing arbitrage? Are you doing co-hosting? What, what were those next steps? Yep. So next steps were one arbitrage deal. And I am pretty anti-arbitrage. I'll, I'll not going to lie. It's just not my, my cup of tea. At, at the uh, time you were or, or you are today? No, I am today, right? Okay. At the time, I was like, I'll take anything. I'm just trying to scale this thing, right? Yeah, so yeah. any opportunity comes my way. And um, yeah, so I got an op- arbitrage opportunity um, about 10 minutes away from where we were already. And that one went really well. The third through the sixth deal, I found capital partners mm. that had high W-2 income and they were loanable. I taught them about 10% down vacation home loans. And I said that we would find the deal we would operate the deal. They cover the down payment, closing costs, and furniture costs and secure the mortgage. And we could split everything down the middle, 50%. 50% equity, 50% cash flow. They don't have to do anything but sign a piece of paper. And uh, so three, four, five, and six was all that way, but brought a lot of value to you know W2 earners that just didn't have the time, but knew the strengths of what the cash flow could be for short-term rental. And then um, I think seven and beyond have been a mix of DSCR, creative finance, and then just ri- raising private capital. So you're telling me, let me go back through for DL three through six there. You're telling me they get the loan under their name as a second home, right? That 10% down. Exactly. They put up the capital. You're not putting a single dollar in, but you guys are splitting the deal 50-50? Yep, exactly. Are you finding the deal? Is that... We find the deal, we find the deal, right? And then we manage, operate, design, furnish. We do everything from A to Z. I think there's sometimes an objection there, right? But remember, we're also splitting the mortgage, you know, after the deal is closed. Splitting the the risk and the reward. Yep. So like if the roof went bad after six months and it's 12K to replace, 6,000 is coming out of our pocket as well. So we're liable for the responsibilities after the property is now closed. So I, I did a deal about a year and a half ago, but I brought half the money to the table as well. So now I'm going to go back to, to my partner on that and say, look at this. You got a deal out of me. Now we got to do it this way on the next one. <laughs> so, all right, listen up. If you are not using Price Labs, you are literally throwing money in the trash. Dynamic pricing is a must in our industry. If you don't know what that is, dynamic pricing is just a fancy term for supply and demand pricing. When demand is high, Price Labs will get you high price bookings. And when demand is low, It will fill up your calendar while the competition overprices themselves and leaves everything vacant. I was dumb in the beginning of my short-term rental journey. I thought I could do it all without Price Labs. So one day I just said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to try this thing out. And immediately my income went up 15 to 20% on my listings. I really was kicking myself. I should have been using this from the beginning. So don't make the same mistake as me. Get started with your free 30-day trial at fearlesskyle.com forward slash price labs. Or even better, how about getting 25% off your first six months as a thank you for being a part of the STR six-figure formula membership? That's right. Go to fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF to become a member and claim that discount today. Okay, you're against arbitrage. Talk to me about that. 
I, I wouldn't say that I'm I'm against arbitrage. I'm just for me personally, you know, I got into real estate to build generational wealth. I, you know, that that pipe dream that everyone's trying to chase. I want to be able to pass this along to my family, to my new daughter who's only four weeks old, right? And um, arbitrage just didn't have that opportunity. You know, you're not really building yeah. anything. It just felt like it was transactional. It was temporary. It was a band-aid approach to real estate investing. I didn't even feel like, a, you know, an investor if it was just arbitrage. And again, no knock to anyone. I know some people are having tremendous success in it. Just for me now, I'm really trying to build the equity, I'm trying to have the tax depreciation. I'm trying to allow people to pay off the loan. And, uh, you know, I, I just choose to own now. That's awesome. So of the 42 units that you have, are you an equity partner or full owner in every single one of them? Or do you have any that you are still arbitraging or just managing for people? Yeah. So no more arbitrage. Um, we got rid of those. I think we had two of them at, at one point in time. We own 26 of the 42. Okay. And then the rest, we started a property management company about six months ago. So we have 16 under management. Awesome. You also just another layer. And by the way, guys, we're live here in the six figure formula group. If you're watching this on replay, the best way to watch this is live. We go live with these about two weeks ahead of time and you get to ask your questions and participate in this. I'm seeing a couple of comments here. Get your questions ready. Like guys, JB started just over two years ago, now owns 26 properties, did not own a single property, has used relationships, has used unique loans to be able to build this. There's got to be some questions that you've got about this. I know I'm already thinking about a bunch, but I want you guys to participate. So drop in your comments, drop in the questions. JB, the next question I have is really in relation to like all these relationships. How many different people are you doing deals with? You own 26, you're managing a, a decent amount as well. It sounds like about 16. How many different relationships are you managing of either clients or equity partners? Yeah. Equity partners. I think there's six equity okay. partners and then, um, you know, management clients, I think of the 16, I think it's probably like 13 different management clients, right? I think only one, one of our management clients has, you know, three or so properties. So okay. on that side, the management side, I think that's inevitable and have to manage a lot of, uh, relationships there, but yeah, six partners. And, um, as we continue to scale, we're really just trying to scale with those six partners, not to say that we're not interested in moving forward with others. But um, to your point, right, it starts to become a lot. Yeah. Well, a lot it, to manage. especially because you have partners that some are just like, hey, tell me I'm to write the check for. And some are like, I need to know why every single penny is going towards a certain place. Right. And so, yep. you know, while while you do build some generational wealth, sometimes you just, you know, I, I find, too, I've partnered with a few people that. I want to hold the property long term. And they're like, no, I want to turn this thing around after two years. And it's like, well, that's not what I'm working to build here. And sure. so you have, to, I'm sure there's probably a lot of front end conversations with those six equity partners that you had to have to see if it was a good fit. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely setting expectations, you know, outlining everything in your operating agreement is super, super important. But yeah, we have a clause in, in all of our, you know, operating agreements that we have to have this endeavor together for at least five years to make it nice. work or make, make sense, right? Unless we both unanimously decide, hey, let's move, you know, to another asset or let's sell it because it's not working right. But for the most part, we're trying to stay within that deal for five or more years. And then we both have the opportunity to buy one another out. You know, like, let's say if one of our, our partners wants to, after five years, you know, get out of the deal and move on to something else, we do have the opportunity to pay for them to leave or, you know, take over their equity. Awesome. Guys, if you're just joining us right now, we've got JB Bullock 
with the Blue Gems podcast here on the Fearless Investor podcast. We're talking about how he's built his property portfolio in both ownership and management to 42 units through the power of saying no. We're going to get, I know a lot of you are like, where, where, where does the power of saying no come in? We're going to get to that in just a second, but there's so many good things already in this conversation that I'm kind of going off on tangents because I need you guys to hear this stuff. But let's talk about the fact that you're in seven different markets. I'm a big proponent of like build deep, not wide, not saying that's the only way to go. It seems like you've gone the other way. You've, you've built wide. Does that complicate this entire thing for you or how how is your business structure set up to be able to maintain seven different markets that's pretty wild yeah no you hit it on the head it is a lot more complicated and you know again we've only been doing this for two years and it's something that we made a mistake on and we're now repositioning and we're trying to dive deep into just as a handful of markets so it's not something that i would teach or or recommend or encourage it is possible and i i'm really proud of it because what it allowed us to do is really build a team, a strong team, systems, processes. That way we can we can have success in any market, right? So mm. I know that you said seven markets. It's actually 13 markets in seven oh, states. Oh, so, my, my so, mistake. So it's, Holy cow. So it's, even, it's even more <laughs> spread out than you yeah. imagine, right? But yeah, we're, we're trying to button up some things. And it, it was a, you know, I would say we, we overcomplicated it. At the time, we were just trying to take on as much as we could and scale this thing. And now we're, we're trying to simplify it a little bit more and, you know, focus on some markets that we're really excited about. All right. I think that's a good transition into this power of saying the word no. If you were to go back and those opportunities that you were getting in all these different markets, would you still say yes or would you have said no to those? Yeah, no, that's a good question because, you know, it's taught us a lot of lessons, you know, and I don't think that we would be where we were or where we are today if we didn't have a lot of those mistakes and all those blunders. So if I had the chance to go back, I'd probably say yes still, mainly just because I think there was a lot for us to learn about the business. We wouldn't have known what markets we wanted to enter without having some true time spent in there. I probably wouldn't say yes to 13 markets, but maybe a mix of, you know, maybe somewhere in the middle of, you know, eight or nine of them. Awesome. Okay. So you would say yes to that, but let's now talk about this power of saying the word no, what does that mean to you and how has that helped you build your business? Yeah. And I think this is a good example of the opportunity to say no to a lot of opportunities that come on our plate. And what I mean by that is I know a lot of people that started out uh, around the same time as me, you know, within two years, right around when COVID hit, it was a great opportunity to get into real estate. But what most people did, they decided to wholesale. And then they also decided to fix and flip. And they also decided to do syndications and multifamily and STR and midterm rentals and have some long-term rentals. It forced them to, you know, be decent at a lot of those strategies, but not really hone in and be confident at one strategy. Shiny and I think that's syndrome. shiny object syndrome. So that's one thing that we really just, we got tunnel vision. Yeah. We said no to wholesaling, fix and flip. If, if it had too much renovations, it was a no for us. We focused on speed of implementation. We wanted to get to market pretty quickly. So most of our properties that we purchased were turnkey, ready to go because we just didn't have the renovation experience. It became a distraction. So we said that no to a lot of opportunities. So tell me about that one that you're like, ah, my intuition, I want to say yes, but my logic is coming in and I know I have to say no to this. Was there like one deal or one time when... Maybe even let's say you feared saying the word no. Yeah, no, for sure. 
there was one opportunity, um, this, this beautiful multi-million dollar property in Pennsylvania, it was operating as a wedding venue and, you know, the numbers looked really good. And, but once we started to kind of reverse engineer it, it was going to take a lot of work so much so that we, we probably, you know, would have to offset or, or relinquish some of our management clients just to kind of focus on this one deal. And, you know, maybe it would have brought us, you know, $200,000 a year. But with that same time allocation, could we have focused on continuing to build our short-term rental business and not get distracted with event planning and wedding photography and all that whole thing? So although we really, really wanted to say yes, it just wasn't a good opportunity for us to say yes to at the time. And, and probably even today, you know, we know more what we're focused on and we're getting even more granular about that vision. I, I cannot relate to that more. You know, sometimes the deals that fall through are the ones that we don't do are the ones that are the best deals, right? We had a deal. Exactly. We literally signed the management contract on it last year and it was on two acres and it was gonna be a perfect wedding venue. And I just remember being like, this is a great opportunity, but that getting that overwhelming feeling of like, wow, we're really gonna have to learn a completely new business model. And luckily about a month in the owner said, Hey, you know, we decided to rent this out to family instead. And I kind of had that like moment of like, okay, <laughs> I, I can breathe. Like yeah. <laughs> that, I, that was probably a good thing. It didn't work out. Sure. We could have made some great money on it, but like, man, the amount of time that we were going to have to put into it and redirecting our team, we might've actually ended up losing money because of that. Okay. That's, sure. that's good stuff, man. JB, you know, what's for you when we talk about how quickly you've moved, but also at the same time, ignored a lot of opportunities. I think a lot of people are wondering how have you attracted so many opportunities? What do you attribute that to? Yeah, for sure. Great question. So one thing that we did when we moved from Las Vegas to Orlando, right? Remember this is during COVID. We're brand new to the state of Florida, brand new to Orlando, don't know anyone. And we know nothing about real estate. How can I be valuable? I, I, I literally had that question mark. So what I did was I started reaching out to people, you know, and DMing them on Facebook. Hey, I'm new to the area. I'm hungry to get into real estate. If you ever want to grab a cup of coffee, I would love to meet, you know, add any value to you. Let me know what you need. After building up several of those relationships, you know, maybe I had 10 to 20 guys or girls uh, that are in the real estate space. I decided to have one meetup and bring all of them under one umbrella so that awesome. maybe my relationships with, with my relationship with this guy and this girl, they might be able to buy a deal together or whatever, spark some connector. type of interest. I'm the connector, right? Yeah. So you fast forward to today and um, we've been having that same meetup. We get about anywhere from 80 to 120 people that shows up to our meetup each month. And um, the relationships that we cultivated and built there and add value to other individuals, we, we really get a lot of deal flow that way. Since then, we started a Facebook, a private Facebook group as well. I think we have about 2,400 people in that private Facebook group. It's completely free. And again, it's just about building community and introducing people and having Sweet. a safe space where they can ask questions, learn, and we can kind of grow together. Awesome. Is there a way for our audience to join that group as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's called Blue Gems, type in Blue Gems Facebook group. I think it's a STR Airbnb community. And cool. then, um, yeah, we would love to have any of the, for sure. Sweet. That's a question I should have asked a while ago. You literally moved from Vegas to Orlando with this desire to start a new business. It's not like you already had some proof of concept. It was, you were just like, hey, I've heard about short-term rentals. I've heard real estate's good to get into. I feel like Orlando is the place to be. Like there had to be a ton of 
fear and anxiety along with making that kind of big life decision, not just for you, but for your wife as well. Am I right? Absolutely, man. You know, if it didn't scare me, it probably wouldn't even be worth it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. You hear that cliche saying all the time, but there was a lot of fear, man. Um, it was uncharted territory, brand new city, brand new state, brand new career. But I knew that if I continued to sit in the, sit on the sidelines, that was more risky. I was more fearful of not taking a step, you know? Um, so even if I failed and I, and I, I, I messed up, I was still going to be learning a bunch. And, um, yeah, so I just had to plunge forward. And at the end of the day, you know, we'll all prevail as long as we stay consistent and determined with any goal that we have, you know, just make sure that you're saying no to a lot of those opportunities so you can stay focused on, you know, the goal at hand. That's awesome, man. There, there's so much good things. And I feel like we could probably talk for an hour and a half, but we're, we're kind of reaching the end of our time here on this podcast. So we're going to stay in the six figure formula group to answer the questions from our group. But for right now, for those listening on the YouTube channel or the podcast uh, on recording, where can people find you? Uh, we already mentioned blue gems. Is there anywhere else that people can go to get your content and to learn more from you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm JB invested on Instagram. And then also we're on blue gems group on Instagram as well. So we live in the IG world and then um also the uh facebook group blue gems facebook group as well you say jb invested on instagram I, yep exactly jb invested no space exactly how it is perfect jb if there's one thing you'd like to leave with our audience today what's that cool um yeah so i think focusing on the topic at hand right power of saying no and we have students of our own, we have our own mentorship, right? And uh, most of the time when, when they are seeking mentorship, a lot of it has to do with just being sidetracked and being distracted and not allocating the appropriate time to what they're really trying to accomplish, right? I ask them, you know, what's your day look like? And they're like, well, I wake up and then I listen to this podcast and then I talk to my accountability group about fixing and flipping. And then I have a private Facebook group meeting with blah, blah, blah. There's 20 things that they're doing and has no correlations to the goal that they're actually trying to attack. So I would just say, get tunnel vision, you know, really outline something that's important to you that you're really trying to accomplish. If you could pick one thing for the year that you would be excited that you've accomplished, what would that be? And how do you get there? Say no to everything else. I love that. I, I so want to just say a bunch of things about that, but we're going to end the, the broadcast now because again, we could talk like for two hours about this thing. So JB, thank you so much for jumping on and helping our audience to conquer the world. Thank you, man. Of short-term rentals. We're going to keep you on now for extra Q and a here with the six figure formula. All right. As usual show notes for this one. If you're listening on the podcast are right there, you can go ahead and click on them. You can take a look at all the notes from this. And you can also take a look at the Instagram page that JB was talking about. Plus his podcast, all of that will be in the notes, but one of the things that I hope that you got from this is that while you, you do want to learn, you know, some of these things that maybe you can avoid issues, there's also that moment of like, I just got to experience it and sometimes learn a little bit of the hard way. Because even though JB, right, he said, I wouldn't probably go into 13 different markets with 42 properties like I have, even though he says that he still wouldn't do it any differently going back to it because it helped him understand what a strong business model looked like and just taking action. It's that ready, fire, aim mentality rather than ready, aim, fire that has helped him to move so quickly. And I encourage all of you to do just that. 
That's going to do it here today on the Fearless Investor Podcast. We're helping you to conquer the world of short-term rentals. We will talk to you next time. Hey, Fearless Investor community. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Fearless Investor. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And for more free content, check out my YouTube channel, also called The Fearless Investor, and our website, www.fearlesskyle.com. Until next time, keep on conquering the world of short-term rentals. Mm -hmm.